yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. And I thought, wow, maybe there could be something that's tied to this, this passage from 2 Corinthians to St. Patrick's life. So I have a few things for you before we get started uh, that I want to just correct about St. Patrick. Who is St. Patrick? First thing you should know, he's actually not been made a saint by the Catholic Church or others that would, would do that. Now, we would say, because we have the way we understand the New Testament, that all who are in Christ are given the righteousness of Christ, and so everyone who's a Christian is a what congregation? Saint. They are saints. So, we can actually say St. Patrick, just like we can say St. Debbie, St. Donna, St. Barbara, This Barbara, not you, Miss Barbara. <laughs> because it's the righteousness of Christ. We would never say St. Billy if it wasn't for the righteousness of Christ. And that's given to us freely. So, Patrick, as, even though it's celebrated by some, born in the late 300s, so a long time ago, um, guess what? If you didn't know this, Patrick's actually not Irish. He, wasn't, he was actually, what happened was, when he was a teenager, he was taken as a slave he was born over in kind of uh, Britain area, and so he was taken as a slave when he was in his teens. Even though his grandfather was a priest, he actually did not want anything to do with God. That was not for him. I don't like this. So in his teens, he was actually taken as a slave and brought to Ireland, and he was there for about six years. And as he was there, he became a true convert to God. He became a Christian, and he spent his years overseeing sheep, and when one evening he had a dream, or heard voices, depending on the... There's not a lot of great information because it's so long ago. But he had some type of divine encounter, and basically God said, it's time to escape. And so he escaped, went back to where he was from, and then got into the ministry from there. That gives you a quick background. Some things real quick. I don't think he drank green beer. I don't think that was part of it. Um, some would say that he uh, casted out uh, all the snakes from, from Ireland. Uh, historians say there were no snakes there. So again, just kind of like Nicholas, uh, things evolve over time. But the things that I've told you are what we know about his life. There's a few things I'll share later. But let's look at our text today, because I do think that this describes part of Patrick's life. So 2 Corinthians, uh, let me set some context for you. Uh, as I like to do, especially since we're not uh, in James like we have been. Um, the church at Corinth, pretty messed up church overall, which actually should be super encouraging because we're pretty messed up as a church. And that's okay. All churches are. All churches are. Nowhere's perfect. And again, if you're looking for the perfect church, hate to tell you this, the moment you join it, it will become imperfect. Amen. Right? Amen. So nowhere's perfect, okay? The main key is, are we striving for holiness together? Are we proclaiming the gospel? Are we sticking to God's word? And are we seeing people become more like Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit? That's what's important. So the church at Corinth, there's some letters that apparently were going back and forth. They wrote letters to Paul and he was responding. And these letters are going back and forth. And so... Part of what Paul's doing here in the, in the letter, um, 2 Corinthians, is he's answering questions and he's explaining things. 
And he's also having to defend his ministry a little bit because what would happen is Paul would go places, he would start a church or he'd come in and he'd help, and then he would leave and then false teachers and, and others would come. And they would start to teach false doctrine and try to lead people away. So he's having to defend a little bit of his ministry here and he's talking about um, the gospel. And he gets into, in chapter 4, he's talking about the, this treasure in jars of clay, this, this gospel that's been given to us. And he says, and he goes through a whole sec- section where he's talking about that even though this outer layer is wasting away, that we're being renewed inside day by day. And ultimately, we're going to a place where we'll have a new outer shelter. But again, we are dying. That's part of life. And so what he says is the afflictions that we have now, the, the, the trials, some of the things we are praying about, some of the difficulties that each of you are going through, these are just... They're, they're, they're not light. He's not trying to say they're simple, but what he's saying in, in comparison to eternity and the glory to come, they're really small. They're light. They're momentary. So be encouraged. Keep your hope in what's coming. Keep your hope in Christ. So then in verse 5, he begins here, and he's talking about the heavenly dwelling again, this body that we have. And I want to read a few verses to lead into the, the text. Verse 6 So he says, this is again, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, So we're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We're not with God fully right now. For we walk by faith, not by sight. What an encouragement there. We walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. The ideal is to be away from here and be with God, but he has not permitted that for us who are here today. He's saying no. You're here because you have more good works to do. Not so you can get salvation, but because you have salvation. I have more for you to do. So if you're here and you're going, I don't know why I'm still here. God has something for you to continue to do. And we can explore that together. Verse 9, So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Wow. Our aim is to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Make no mistake, there is a judgment that's coming for everybody. That sets the tone for the, verse, for the verses that I want to be in today. That gives you context, okay? So let's go through these verses as we do one by one. And we'll unpack them together. Starting in verse 11. Therefore, and real quick in interpreting Scripture... If you ever see a therefore, I want you to ask the question, what's that there for? Okay? You're going to see therefore throughout this passage. So, you have to know what he just said, which I just read, what I just read to you, where the therefore is. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. What he's saying is that judgment that he was talking about just a second ago, the fact that we're in this body, but ultimately we want to be with the Lord, knowing the fear of the Lord. There is supposed to be a healthy fear of God. I don't think it's great for us to go around, as some t-shirts will and some hats will say, and it says, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. Okay? It's true that Abraham is called a friend of God. That's true. It's true that we are adopted into God's family and Jesus is like our big brother. That's true. But don't forget that he has created everything. He deserves all honor and glory and praise because of his holiness. So there is a connection, a closeness, 
But at the same time, there needs to be a reverence of who he is and how awesome he is and the fact that there still is judgment to come. The, the encouraging thing for Christians, and if you're not one here today, I pray that you'll become one, because the encouraging thing for, thing for Christians is when that judgment comes, ultimately we say, we know we've, we've done all these things, all these accusations that are against us are true. But I'm also in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. And Christ died for me. And He took all of my sin upon Himself. And because of that, we can have entrance into heaven and be with God forever. Because of that, not our good works. And if you're not a Christian, guess what? You don't get to say that, and you have to go with your good works. And my encouragement to you today is, if you try that, Scripture makes it clear that all the good works you think you have are filthy rags. And it will not help you. Will not help you. So since we, Paul, those in the church at Corinth, and us here today, if you're a believer, know the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. We persuade others. Because we don't want them to be judged without mercy and without grace. So my question first off the bat today is, are you persuading others? And again, notice it's not just a, oh, we tell some other people about it. That word there, it means you're caring and you're trying to convince them this is true. Now, ultimately, we know that it takes the, the work of the Holy Spirit, right? We know that. But our job is to, as we see here, persuade with everything that I have. I need to know my scriptures so that way I can tell you about these things. We need to try to persuade but leave the results up to God. So Paul now, again, part of that defense of who he is, he's saying, but we, what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. What he's saying is some people are going to say some other things about you. They're saying other things about Paul. God knows who we are. He knows our hearts. He knows if we're following him. And he's hopeful that the other Christians know this as well. And our hope here is, yes, God is the one who knows us. And I hope in our consciences we know that each one of us are believers because we see this fruit and we're encouraged. Verse 12, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So what he's saying here is he's going into defense again. Paul's continually having to explain his ministry to people and he's explaining why he's doing things and why his his path goes to change and he hoped to visit this church, but then he couldn't. So he had to change his plans. And again, the Holy Spirit was guiding and directing. And so there were a lot of people coming around saying, hey, Paul, he's just trying to do these things for good looks. He just wants to be viewed as righteous and holy. And there were others who were there, and that was truly their heart was they just want to look good. You know what that's called? Being religious. That's called being religious. It's, I want everyone else to think I'm godly, but inside I I have not been made new. And so what Paul's encouraging here is he's saying to the church at Corinth, and I think it applies to us, when we're sharing some of these things, when he's sharing about his ministry and we're sharing about what's going on in our lives, we're supposed to share with one another as Christians to encourage one another. We discussed this on Wednesday night some. It's not so that way because we're commending ourselves. Oh, look how great I am. No, it's actually, look how great God is and what he's doing. And for those who come around and say, look, 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 they're just doing these things. The idea is the fruit will truly be there and you'll be able to commend them and say, no, no, you should see the the hearts of these people because they love at all times. Even if it's enemies, we still love. So these people are going around and they're bad-mouthing Paul 
And they're excited. They're religious people. They're coming and teaching that if you do these good works, you're going to be saved. And Paul's saying, no, that's not true. And we want to, you to be able to boast about our ministry. We want you to be able to boast about Christ and the fact that we are saved, not because of our good works, but we're saved for good works. Verse 13, it's interesting. He says, for if we are beside ourselves... Some translations kind of say act crazy or out of our minds, things of that nature. It is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. You ever met these people? Can you think right now for a second of this, this Christian person where there's so much about Jesus, there's so much about the church, there's so much about Scripture that uh, it, makes, it makes you uncomfortable? Or it makes others uncomfortable? Okay, if you can't think of anybody, then it's you. Just so you know. If you're like, no, I don't know. I've never thought of that. Yeah, it's probably you, and that's okay. What we are, the way we live our lives, the things that we're to care about, the fact that we pray for those who persecute us, that we love those who hate us, realize to the world, that's crazy. That's crazy. Again, even talking about material things back in James, you, you get all you can, you, you can all you get, and you sit on the lid and make sure that it doesn't go anywhere. And Jesus says, with what you have, bless as many as you can. Again, the world doesn't understand it. It's crazy! But of course, when we're in our right minds and speaking with one another, we understand because we have Christ and we understand one another. But don't be surprised if the world doesn't understand you. That's okay. Because God also uses that at times. They don't understand, and eventually that turns into curiosity. And then you, give, you have an opportunity to share the gospel, and they come to faith. So it's okay. Verse 14, this is beautiful. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that One has died for all, therefore all have died. So Christ has died for all in that sense that anyone in the world at any time, if they want to go to heaven, all they have to do is believe in Christ, a true belief, confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And what else? Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And that includes repentance, as Brother Doug just said. Anybody, that, that invitation is open to anybody, any tribe, any tongue, any nation, any time, they can come to Christ. So his death in that way is definitely sufficient for all of mankind. Now, not all accept that. But since he had to die for all of mankind, since he took on the sins of the whole world, what we can then understand is that everyone has died. Everyone is apart from God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. There's not one person, the the smartest, the richest, the best athlete, it doesn't matter, still separated from God because of sin. And so, because we know that, because the only way that they have a chance is Christ, then that love that we have for Christ and the love that He has for the world that He would die compels us to continue to share to continue to love, to continue to serve. And we always, 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 always want to be talking about Jesus because he's the only chance. 
It's a guarantee if you're in him, but he's the only way. And if people do not know that, apart from God forever. Now, why is he the only way? There should be a lot of different ways. Because he's the only one who's perfect. It requires a sacrifice. There has to be the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins, Hebrews tells us. So there has to be a sacrifice, but it can't just be an animal. An animal can't take the place of a human, right? Any of you, well, I don't know if I want to ask this question, but I'll do it. Any of you willing to trade your child for a goat or a bull? (laughs) Some looks over here, that's concerning. I want to meet with you after, after service. No, of course not. They're not on the same level. But you might trade a cow for a goat or something of that nature, but you would never trade your children for an animal. That's why the, old, the sacrifice system of the Old Testament, again, it was a picture of what was to come, but it was not sufficient. At the same time, how about trading a sinful, blemished human for a perfect one? The point is, Jesus is perfect, The sacrifice that has to be done, God's not going to accept a sacrifice of another sinner. It's not going to be sufficient. Nothing can happen there. Jesus is the only one who has this unique birth where he does not have this sin nature. He's the only one who obeyed everything perfectly that we were supposed to do, but he does it. And so his death, when that blood flows, it's a perfect sacrifice. The spotless lamb. That's why. There's no other way. Buddha can't do that. Muhammad can't do that. Joseph Smith, any of the others, they can't do that. Only Jesus can. That's why when he says, I am the way, the truth, and life, that's why. So because we know this, because we love Christ, because we know that God loves the world so much that he would send his son, this compels us to continue to share and love and do. Not so that he'll love us, but because he does. Continuing on. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's the finish of that passage, of that verse. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. And here's my encouragement this morning to you. What I see happening in this church is that the vast majority of you are starting to not live for yourself. You are saying, we have to get out there. We have to love our neighbors. We have to love our community. We have to love our county, our state, our nation, and the world. We have to do this. The love of Christ compels us, and we no longer belong to ourselves. We put Christ's kingdom above our kingdom. Now, that's still a struggle sometimes, and we need to fight that. We need to continue to to battle that. I don't want to talk to that person. That's your kingdom. Go talk to that person. That's Jesus' kingdom. I don't invite that person to church because I don't have to sit by him. That's that's your kingdom, not Jesus's. Okay? But you're doing a great job. Continue to persevere by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're doing a good job. Verse 16 From now on, Paul says, therefore, it was said, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. We're not just going to see 
as the world sees. We're not going to look at people from a worldly mindset. Oh, you have, a, you have an important job? Well, you, I want to be your friend. I want you to come sit down. Remember we talked about this in James, showing partiality? We're not going to look at people the way the world does. We want to look at people the way God does. Everybody's important. Everybody's important. And so what I begin to see here at the church is you guys are reaching out across these lines to one another who maybe you've been in the same church for a long time but you really don't know one another because you kind of run in different circles. Maybe you're a different political party, different views on this or that. And you're reaching out across those lines and you're saying, I want to get to know you more. I want to spend time with you. I want to hear what Jesus has done in your life. And I praise God for that. That's showing the fruit of repentance. That's showing growth. And I praise God for that. I praise God for you. In addition to that, we reach out to those who are not in the church, those who are lost. No matter if they're different, we say, I'm not going to look at you according to the flesh. I'm going to look at you as something different in the spiritual realm. And this is important. I need to talk to you. I need to love you. Paul's saying they, that's how they treated Christ, and thus that's why people kept rejecting him and rejecting him, and why Paul was killing Christians. Because he saw things according to the flesh. And then, who opened his eyes? Jesus opened his eyes. If your eyes haven't been opened, cry out to God today that he would. And if they have, continue to see things according to the Spirit, not the flesh. Now this is beautiful. 17, now again, what did we just say? Therefore, Okay, We don't see things according to the flesh. We see things according to the Spirit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. I need you to hear that. I need you to hear that you're a new creation. I need you to hear that. What does that mean though, Pastor? New creation. I still feel like sometimes I struggle with certain things. How can I be a new creation? When you become a Christian, when you cry out to Christ for forgiveness, believe the gospel, you're given a new heart. We see that in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. You're given a new heart. That's part of what it means to be this new creation. Now, we still have this, this nature, and, a, and really, specifically, we have the flesh. And the flesh, guess what? That's not new yet. Sin remains in there. So that's why you have this new heart You have God's Spirit now inside of you, linking up with your spirit, and you're trying to obey, you're excited, you want to love, you want to do these things, and your flesh is still there saying, yeah, but old Billy, I want to hang out with old Billy. And your spirit's going, oh no, (laughs) old Billy, we don't want him around. Because he wasn't gracious, he wasn't merciful, and he wasn't loving, and he was extremely prideful. He didn't care what was happening to other people. He didn't care if people knew anything about Jesus because he himself didn't love Jesus. But a new spirit, a new heart, new affections means I now care. Not because of my own doing, but because of God's work inside of me because I'm a new creation. I care. The things that I used to do that I was okay with, sin, I'm all right with this, no problem. After you're a Christian, you do that, and what happens? Give me feedback. What happens here when you work, before you're a Christian, you do this particular sin, now you become a Christian, you, you fall into that same sin, what happens? Conviction, Holy Spirit. You hear the testimony? That's in, in accordance with Scripture. All of a sudden you go, that wasn't 
as fun as I once remember. In fact, I feel terrible. I don't, I don't feel good about this at all. This is where I used to go to find my fulfillment, and now I've done that, and, and I feel worse. Be encouraged. I know that's strange. Be encouraged. That's because you're a new creation. If you don't feel that, be careful. Cry out to Christ. If you can just live, and you're not this new creation, again, not on the outside necessarily the way the flesh is, but on the inside, and people go to you and they say, you're different. Yeah, praise be to God, he's changed me. That's where it goes. You're a new creation. Now don't forget, though, that the mind still has to be renewed as well. The mind has to be renewed as well. Turn with me briefly to Romans chapter 12. It should be up on the screen too, maybe. Romans 12, I just want to read verses 1 and 2 to you real quick to help you understand this, get your your minds around this part with the mind. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, again, Paul writing here, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Listen to verse 2 here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What Paul is saying there is, basically you're going one of two directions as a Christian. Okay? Ultimately, overall, you are, you are moving towards Christ if you're a Christian. We may go slow at times. We have these obstacles, as we've talked about weeks ago. But ultimately, he's the author and perfecter of your faith. You will continue to go towards him. That's the sign of a true Christian. But what it takes, that's why some of us say, well, I didn't really grow for like five years, ten years, because I wasn't in his word. And I wasn't with his people. And I wasn't in church. That's because you need the Word of God to help renew your mind. You have the new heart. You have God's Spirit, but you need the Word of God. So the less you're in the Word of God, guess what happens? You move slower. Your mind, slower. And you start to look more and more like the world, which you shouldn't do. You should look more and more like Christ. The way that happens is you're in the Word, growing. That's why we put a heavy emphasis on the Word here. Constantly we're studying God's Word, because that's where the renewal of the mind comes. So again, realize, be encouraged for a second here. There is there's progress in your lives. You're growing. You're getting there. Are you perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. We're not going to be until ultimately we're glorified with Christ. But we're getting there. Amen. And we're getting there together. Flip back over to Corinthians. Almost done. Which, as you know, means 20 more minutes. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Listen to this. This is great. Right as he finishes it up, right? You're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18. All of this is from God. I think that's wonderful that that's right there. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you wonder, if you start to think for a second, I'm really great. Look at all this I'm doing. I'm I'm getting a new heart. I worked hard on that. Getting a new spirit, good thing I opened up for that. And when I read God's word, I renew my own mind. No. Realize that all of this is from God. So then the response is this. You're going to be in awe of him, and you're going to say, thank you. And then we're a thankful people 
You ever been around somebody who's just thankful all the time? Isn't that just a blessing to be with those people? They're just like, oh, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. You're just like, I need to hang out with you more often. I feel just great about life, great about everything when I'm with these people who are thankful versus people who are not thankful. Grumblers. Complainers. Who likes hanging out with grumblers and complainers? Show of hands. (laughs) Thankful people. We want to be a thankful people. Because when you're thankful, that means you understand what you have comes from somewhere else. And you can't boast in that. You can't boast in that. We just, you boast in the one who gives it to you. And that's what we want to do is just continually boast about Christ. All of this is from God who through Christ, again, that idea of it's only through Christ, reconciled us to himself. And look what he gave us. A ministry of reconciliation. Some of you go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Guess what? You have a ministry of reconciliation. Every Christian has a ministry of reconciliation. That means, yes, we're reconciled to God. And then we go and we become reconciled to others in our church. Those who you've, who've sinned against you. Notice I didn't even say, those you've sinned against, that's part of it too. Those who've sinned against you, you still do all that you can to be reconciled to them. And you do all that you can to be reconciled to those that you've sinned against. But then, in addition to that idea, the, the, the main thrust here is helping others become reconciled to God. That's your ministry. If anyone has any question, what's my ministry? Go help people be reconciled to God. Because the love of Christ compels you. Because you know the fear of the Lord. Go do it. And guess what? Again, the encouragement today. You have been. And you are. Continue it. Verse 19, he clarifies a little bit here. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. In Christ, where he pours out his wrath on Christ, and not counting these sins against us. It's amazing. Verse 20. Therefore, because of all that, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. Isn't that amazing? God's making His appeal to all of mankind through us. That's what an ambassador is. United States, we have ambassadors, right? We make our appeal. What we, what, what we want to do, what our president wants through them. Same thing, the key, but this is from the king of glory. The king of glory says, guess what? I love you. I'm going to save you. And now I've got a job for you. Go in a, and send my appeal to all people to repent and believe. What an honor. What a privilege that he would allow us to do that. He doesn't need us, but he allows us to do this making his appeal through us. Look at this. We implore you. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. This morning, if you're here and you don't, you don't have a relationship with Christ, I implore you. We are imploring you. Please be reconciled to Christ through faith. And when we leave here, when you're out, whoever you're talking to, implore them to be reconciled to God. Last verse. For our sake, 
He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This verse is so deep I could have preached just on this verse the whole time. This is absolutely incredible. For our sake and His glory, He made Jesus who knew no sin. Now get this, it's not that He didn't just commit sin. He doesn't even know it. You get that? He knew no sin. He doesn't even know sin. That's how far away sin is from Jesus. Being all of that. Now, that's how far away it is. He doesn't even know it, but yet He becomes it for us. Can you imagine if that were you? I don't have anything to do with that nastiness. Don't even know anything about it. And then the plan is, well, go, in essence, become it so that everyone can be reconciled to God. Incredible. It's in Christ that we become the righteousness of God. What's interesting is it's, I was reading Charles Spurgeon, a, a great pastor from long ago, preacher from ago, long ago, and he says, he was talking about being righteous and then being the righteousness of God. Just being righteous and being the actual righteousness of God. And what he said was, picture a box, like a cardboard box or a wooden box or whatever, and let's say that it was kind of painted over with gold, real gold, melted gold, and the outside of this box became gold. That's kind of that idea of righteous. That's, that's incredible. But then he said, this box, to be the righteousness of God is the box changes and the whole thing is gold. Here's the idea. Jesus' righteousness is given to us, transferred over to us by faith. The, the, the word imputed, it's credited to us, if you will. It's credited, but then guess what? It's, the righteousness is implanted inside of us. That's the difference in the two. We are actually made. You are righteous. Not because of your own works, but because of Jesus. And that's why you're able to stand before God, because you are in Christ and you have been made new. And the love that's there for Christ to be this beautiful golden box, if you will, to be destroyed and the wrath of God fully poured out on him, the one who knew no sin, is incredible. And that's how much God loves you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much Jesus loves you. He takes away our guilt. We're made... We're said to be not guilty before God. And He even takes away your shame. Scripture says that Jesus scorned the shame in Hebrews 12. Scorned it. Laughed at it. Shame, you've got no dominion here. So if you have sin in your life or in your past, or sin that's been done to you, and you feel dirty, you feel ashamed... Listen to me. Christ scorned that too. The guilt is gone. The shame is gone. Let that go. Do not allow Satan to use that against you. God is so good that He's gotten rid of all that in Christ. 
want to finish Patrick's story as we close. In A.D. 432, 25 years after Patrick had left Ireland, he returned to the place of his bondage. He returned to the place where he was made to serve as a slave. He did not return with malice in his heart, but as a missionary eager to convert the Irish. Patrick served in regions of Ireland where outsiders had never even traveled. While roaming through Ireland, he preached to pagans and also instructed Christian believers. He trained other Irish helpers, and he saw thousands come to faith. He started many churches. Some would say he, would, he, was, he used the shamrock to explain the Trinity. Don't know if that's true, but it's pretty neat. Listen to what he says. Daily, I expect to be murdered or betrayed or reduced to slavery if the occasion rises. But I fear nothing because of the promises of heaven. Patrick was taken away in slavery. God, in a vision or a dream, helps him escape. He goes and gets the training he needs, and then he goes back to the people who enslaved him to share the gospel with them, and God blesses that. He was an ambassador for Christ. The encouragement today as we close. You are ambassadors for Christ. You have been doing a great job as ambassadors for Christ. Continue to do a great job. If God's Spirit convicts you in some way on this, that you need to grow in this area, you need to make some changes, do that. As we have our time of invitation, if you have never been reconciled to Christ, I am begging you, I am urging you, the congregation here is begging you, urging you, please be reconciled to God. Today's a great day to do it. And again, if you have already been reconciled to God, take this time to pray as we sing and see where God may be leading you. And take time to rejoice in the fact that you're a new creation and He's doing great things in us and through us as a church.